Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. Give a little bit of an out-of-state crop report. Uh, heard from Jerry up in east-central Wisconsin. Harvest was brought to a halt with a four-inch rain up there. He sent me pictures of unharvested corn standing in water. That's kind of hairy. I guess it could be worse. It could be soybeans and snow, but it's going to put the brakes to harvest up there for a while. Jerry says beans are about done in his neighborhood. Most of the beans were in the low 60s if it didn't have any water issues in May. The ground that uh, fought the water issues in May and the replanting, they're closer to the mid-40s. Wet weather was the story for their growing season this year. They're in the beginning of corn harvest. Yields are swinging wide going across the field. Their yield swings are tied to wet conditions and drowned out areas in the field. He believes growers are going to struggle to reach their APH in these fields. Talk with Mark uh, in southeast Iowa. They're about to finish up. The last they had to harvest was abandoned seed corn acres. These were acres that didn't get detasseled before the windstorm blew them down. He said this is a challenge to set a combine for down seed corn that's only yielding 50 bushels. Between the stripper plates and the concaves, they got the combine squeezed pretty tight. He said they're harvesting them for insurance purposes. The seed corn that didn't get affected by the wind is 150% of what was expected. The seed corn that got blew down, he said, is less than what was expected. Soybeans in his area, about 90% done. Yields in the upper 60s to mid-70s. Uh, these fields were in the 80s last year. The beans that were blown down and tangled up are running in the mid-50s. On the corn side, uh, things in his area, he thinks about 70% done. Areas with wind damage in that 180-190 range without it uh, closer to 230. Mark had one field with two varieties. One was 30 bushel better than the other. He said same two hybrids planted two miles away and they flipped. The other was 30 bushel better. Mark thinks a lot of farm averages uh, will be in that 2 to 220 range, which will be above APHs, but 10 to 15% under what most growers were expecting. Talk with Jason at Helena here in Grand Ridge. He believes they're 99% done with beans and 90% done with corn. Reports coming in from growers with corn ranging all up to 250 bushel to other ones talking about being 40 bushel off the norm. From the north to the south in his area, it's all about August rain. Areas that uh, got the rain are seeing 230, 220 corn, mid-60s to low-70s on the beans. Areas with less August rain in that 180, 200 in the corn, 50, 55 bushel on the beans. Jason had a couple of scaled bean fungicide insecticide plots that he took out or was involved with. One had a 14-bushel advantage and one had a 7-bushel advantage. Jason said the amount of bean leaf beetle damage in the checks was pretty extensive, and he believes a large part of the yield jump may be due to the insecticide. Here locally, the general consensus I'm receiving this week is this crop is less than most growers expected. As growers are getting settlement sheets, this crop looked bigger in the combine than it does in the elevator. 
the burned up hillsides and the drowned out replanted areas and frosted areas are putting a real drag on the overall field averages. This is why we sample by yield zone. You know, to get a 220 bushel field average, some parts of that field will need to reach 250, 260 to offset those 180 bushel areas to get you back to your 220 bushel field average. Years like this, you need those 250 bushel areas to hold the field averages. You may need variable rate population to protect those hillsides from burning up while you're pushing those other areas to get that 250 bushel. One thing combine operators need to stay on top of as we head into the back end of this harvest is header loss. This dry corn wants to shatter and or throw ears out of the head. Slowing the snapper rollers down and pushing the combine speed a little seems to help. In some cases, growers have to change the drive sprockets on the head to slow things down so they can decrease the shatter loss. Check your header loss. Don't assume because you checked it three weeks ago, it's still good. This week, I took out a very interesting plot that we'll dive in deep this winter on, but I'd like to share some of the preliminaries with you. This is what we call one of our fixed flex plots. These are plots where we look closely at how a hybrid flexes. When doing yield checks, you know, we count up harvestable ears and kernels per ear, and then we come up with an estimate. The trick is that we have to make a guess at how many kernels it takes to make a bushel. Of course, many times we use 80,000 kernels. But we know from our plot work that this number can range from 55,000 to 120,000. The purpose of our fixed flex plots is trying to learn more about the genetics that we plant and where that yield comes from. Is it in kernel count, kernel size, or both? In these hybrid plots, when we plant them at low populations, 22,000, and high populations, 36 to 38,000, with that low population, we get bigger ears. We use 22,000 as our low population because any lower and we start to fight double ears. And double ears will mess up this plot. These low populations produce the biggest ear possible for that genetics under that year's growing conditions. Now we're not recommending low populations. We want to see how different hybrids respond in grain production when population goes up. At high population, the ears are smaller. Less kernels, less starch per kernel, that's what we're trying to figure out. That's what we're trying to learn. If we know how and when a hybrid flexes, we can use that to our advantage when it comes to managing the hybrid. Our fixed flex plots are the ones that we collect ear sets from, and then thanks to many of you that help, we count and weigh every kernel. This data then goes into our hybrid yearbook. Now we label the hybrids with some, a crop tech rating. For instance, a G hybrid, meaning ear girth, if a hybrid flexes off rows around. So if they're quick to throw kernels off, and rows around off when population goes up, let's say they drop from an 18 to a 16 or 14, they'll give them a G rating. We label L1s, L for length, one for early, meaning early length. If an ear length, and I'm talking about cob and all, shortens up, 
This happens between V6 and tassel, so it's early length. So you have a ear that's 35 long, pollinated 35 long, and filled to the tip, but that ear was shortened up pre-tassel. We do have an L2 rating, meaning length but late. That's uh, abortion of kernels after pollination. So that's that drawed back yellow tip. Uh, this is meaning that it happened after pollination up through milk fill. That's when we lost those kernels by pushing the population up. The D rating, meaning D for depth, is when kernel size changes as population goes up. Kernel size is pretty much determined in the last 30 days of grain fill. Now we not only hand harvest, but we also scale these actual plots in the field. Back to the plot. I harvested this week. It was one of our narrow row plots planted on June 4th. This plot got off to a great start, but it flat ran out of water in August. The bottom yield in this plot was 176 bushel. The top yield was 231. Now we don't know all these hybrids and how they flex. That's the purpose for the plot. That's what we're trying to learn. But we do know a few. Eight hybrids in this plot, again planted at 22 to 38,000. Four hybrids went backwards in yield when we went from 22 to 38,000. One hybrid increased, but not enough to pay the seed bill. Three hybrids increased in yield enough to pay the seed bill or more. As we look at these hybrids individually, one hybrid increased 25 bushel with the higher population, while another dropped 43 bushel at the higher population. The plot average at 22,000 was 209 bushel. And remember, this is 22 planted population. It averaged 209 bushel. At 38,000, the plot averaged 201 bushel. So on average, we lost by pushing the population. While we don't know all of these hybrids and how they're classified, such as a G or L1 or a D, etc., and of course that's the purpose of the plot to find this out, we do have three numbers in this plot that we do know the ratings of from past plots. The hybrid that won the plot with a 25 bushel increase when we went uh, to 38,000 over 22 is what we call an L1 hybrid. And again, if you keep an L1 hybrid happy from V6 to tassel, they tend to not only keep the kernel count, but they keep the kernel size. The two hybrids at the bottom of the plot, which both backed up yields when we went from 22 up to 38,000. One backed up 35 bushel, one backed up 43 bushel. These two hybrids are classified as D hybrids. D hybrids need at least 30 days of grain fill there at the end. In this case, it would have been August to get the top yield out of them. All the hybrids would have yielded more if we could have got rain in August, but the L2s and Ds will get hit the hardest. Another interesting factor we saw in this plot was grain moisture. The 38,000 population block averaged 2.4 points drier. 
The range was 0.9 to 3.5. There was a number 3.5 points drier at 38,000. Riding in the combine, you could see low population had plant health was better, had some green in the leaves yet and green in the stalk compared to the 38,000. This wide swing in moisture is an indicator of stress. When corn is stressed before pollination, it slows maturity down. When it gets stressed after pollination, it speeds maturity up. You're basically trying to get to the finish line before the plant dies. Many of you saw this. When you're combining those hillsides, the moisture dropped and so did the yield. Again, this is an indicator that lack of August rain put late season stress on our plot in the high population side. The difference of 54 bushel from the top to the bottom was a D hybrid that needed August rain to get kernel depth and it didn't get it. And an L1 hybrid that doesn't change its kernel count or depth late in the grain season. Discussing the plot with the grower, he asked me, man, do I need to stay away from D hybrids? The answer is not necessarily. But if you know which hybrids are D hybrids, you may change how you place them. The last 30 days of fill are important for D hybrid. One, on average, we tend to get dry and we get into the what we call the dog days of August, a situation where we know we're going to be fighting for moisture. If you have a farm that tends to run short on water in August, this would not be a good place for a D hybrid. If you plant late, like this plot, June 4th, you not only need a good August, but you need the first half of September for the last 30 days of fill. Meaning you gotta have sunshine, water, no smoke from the California fires. You need this thing rocking and rolling. Planting a full season D hybrid late is gambling on whether or not you'll get enough fill that you need at the end of the season. Now it can't happen. In 2015, we had June planted D's bumping 300 bushel because we not only had a fantastic August, but we had a, most of September was great for fill weather as well. But the odds are against you most years. This plot also shows, shows you that VRT population is one of the ways to manage drought stress. Again, this is not a recommendation to lower plant populations, but it's very interesting. Once you learn hybrid characteristics, we can predict how they respond to the stress throughout the season. Once you know how they respond to the stress, you can figure out a plan and how to farm around these. And that's all about mitigating risk, not having all D's in your lineup, not having all L1's in your lineup, mixing it up, but then trying to do the best job of matching them up. For a lot of growers out there, if you ran short on water in August and your lineup is made up of mainly D's, you can say, man, my flagship hybrids let me down. They're 20, 30 bushel off where they should be. That's how important water is to your D's. You won't throw them out of your lineup but you just respect the fact that this wasn't a D year. Between the dry weather in August and the cloud cover and the smoke from the fires, we just put ourselves into a lot of stress trying to get those last 30 days that a D hybrid needs. 
So we don't necessarily throw it out because we think it's now bad genetics. We think about the year and the crop and where we put it. If it took 45 days for your corn to get out of the ground and you happen to plant a GL1, you probably got in trouble. You ended up with a lot of missing ears. So that becomes part of the equation. But it is cool that as we learn more about these hybrids, we can start making predictions of what's going to happen and that then gives us the knowledge to mitigate some of this risk. Again, we'll dive deep into this plot and 10 other ones on hybrid flex as we move into the winter meetings, but I thought I would share that information with you. Many of you are keeping up with the tillage close to the combines. For those of you implementing vertical tillage, be sure to continue to get full width shatter, especially if we go back after this rain delay. We finished harvest here at the Corn College campus last week and we sold all our crop. So that should put the bottom in the market for you because that's when I usually do my selling. Soil testing crews are staying right on top of the combines. Keep calling those fields in. Some of you have inquired, are we going to do the hand harvest this year? The answer is yes. I'm not sure how. We're working on that solution. We have thousands of ears hanging on the racks in the back room. So we'll have to come up with a solution. The data is too valuable not to get. If anybody has any ideas on how to do this, we're open for suggestions. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.